Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, and I know... I know I am a day late with this episode. I'm already starting out the year behind the eight ball. For that, I apologize. I promised you a Tuesday episode, and here we are. It is now Wednesday. Uh, I just couldn't get it out. I just couldn't. I I had too much going on yesterday, and I I was just exhausted by the end of it. I, I didn't have... I didn't have it in me or enough time in the day to get the episode out. So um, here we are, and a lot to talk about today. A lot has been developing since we had the initial assassination of Soleimani and all this stuff going on with Iran and Iraq. And Well, uh, things are escalating quite a bit and quickly, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. And then we also had some pretty hilarious um, Ricky Gervais Golden Globe stand-up comedy. So um, give you some thoughts on that as well. So just to update everyone on what's been happening over the last couple of days with the whole Iran thing, they had their four-day mourning period, which I guess is customary over there when someone dies. And during the funeral for Soleimani, they had millions of people there, a huge turnout of people. And there ended up being a stampede that killed, I, I don't know, I haven't gotten, I've gotten conflicting reports, but anywhere from 30 to like 56 people were killed during this stampede. All right, so you had that. You had um, the Iraq parliament has has voted to expel all U.S. troops from their country. And on top of that, Iran has labeled all U.S. military personnel and the Pentagon and everything like that. They're all now terrorist entities as far as Iran is concerned. So we've labeled Iran terrorists. They've labeled us terrorists. I, I think you know where <laughs> I fall on that subject. And... There was also a commercial airliner shot down. And, well, we don't know if it was shot down or not. But a commercial airline crashed over Iran, I think within two minutes of takeoff. And Iran has refused to turn over the black box data so that we can kind of figure out what happened. Not not to the U.S., but to Germany and the U.K. and all these other uh, countries that had passengers on board. They're all looking for answers as to what happened. 
many people have come out. The, the uh, airline company has come out and said that there's no chance it was mechanical, a mechanical problem. There's no chance that it was pilot error. And so now people are thinking that, you know, since it was flying out of Iran, the same time that they were lobbing missiles at U.S. military bases, and that's the other development, that Iran has now retaliated against America by firing some missiles at our bases, that people are thinking that they accidentally shot down this commercial airliner and killed all 176 people on board. So um, the missiles that Iran has fired at our bases, I say ours, the U.S. bases, they, they haven't killed any Americans. They've killed a couple of Iraqis, as far as I, I know, and, and some people have been injured, but no American deaths have taken place. And now all eyes are on Trump to see how he's going to respond to this. And, I mean, listen, he just needs to let this go. It, we, we just have to drop it, if, if this is the extent of it. Drop it, walk away. A couple of essentially failed missile attacks that didn't hit any of our men or women overseas is a small price to pay for taking out their biggest top general of like all time. Uh, first of all, that's first of all. Second of all, if he can just take these shots, and I'm talking about Trump now, if Trump can just take these shots and move on, it gives Iran an out. It gives them an opening to sort of save face with their people, right? Because we know that they don't want war with the U.S. They have said as much several times. Pretty much any time you put a microphone in front of a high-ranking Iranian official, they will tell you that they don't want war with Iran. And of course they wouldn't. Uh, despite what the neocon talking points say, they are not a suicidal nation, okay? They aren't crazy people hell-bent on destroying Americans. I, I have some good family friends that uh, we've known, my family has known, I've known for over 30 years. And I've also had some uh, Iranian friends dating back to high school, maybe even middle school at this point. And not only are they some of the nicest people you will ever meet, but in general, Iranian people, uh, and I know this is, that was kind of anecdotal, but in general, they are very smart, they are successful, they are driven, they are entrepreneurial, they've got great business acumen. They're not fanatics. They're just not. I don't know what to tell you. I know that the, the talking points coming from the Lindsey Grahams of the world will tell you that they're these religious fanatics that as soon as they get this nuclear weapon that they've been working on my entire life, that they're going to use it to destroy Israel and then America. And that's just a bunch of nonsense, okay? But you have to look at this whole thing from their perspective. And again, like I always say with all of these wars that we've started over in the Middle East, put yourself in their shoes. First of all, if they did to us what we just did to them. We would absolutely consider that an act of war, and we wouldn't hesitate to strike back. It, it would be game on as far as the U.S. is concerned, right? So imagine that you're the supreme leader of Iran. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I will butcher it. And you get bitch slapped by the U.S. for like the 30th time for practically no reason other than the fact that the U.S., 
wants to get this oil pipeline built. And I don't know if I've actually gone over this on the show or not. I, I think I probably have in one of the, the earlier episodes when we were messing with Iran last year. That's what this is all about. It's not about protecting our freedom. It's not about fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. It's none of that crap, okay? This is about oil pipelines in the Middle East and the fortunes that can be made off of them. That's it. And as soon as you realize that, all of a sudden, everything comes into focus. And everything we've been doing over there starts to make sense. But you have to look at it through that lens. You know, I always quip about, you know, who the hell cares what goes on over in Iraq or Iran or anywhere in the Middle East. Like, why are we over there? Right, well, here's why. Here's why. The only reason we have any interest in Iran is because they are flush with oil. It literally seeps out of the ground, okay? And there, there is a massive oil pipeline that runs from Iran up through Syria and into Europe. Okay, that's how the last figures I saw, and these are somewhat dated, they're a few years old, but Europe was getting 40% of Iran's oil exports. And what the U.S. wants to do, when they say that you know it's in our strategic, it's in the U.S. interests or whatever, they mean that it's in certain people's strategic interests to make a shitload of money off of these oil pipelines. Because what the U.S. wants to do is destroy that pipeline that runs th- from Iran through Syria and into Europe, And we want to lay our own. We want to lay our own with our Saudi Arabian friends from Saudi Arabia up through Syria and into Europe. We want that business, okay? That's what this is all about. And see, it all has to flow through Syria. Syria is the key because that's the only way that we can get into Europe, right? That's why we've been pushing regime change in Syria. And that's why we've been putting crippling sanctions on Iranian oil and gas exports. That's why we somehow always seem to be friendly with the Saudis, even though, what was it, the 17 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 were Saudis? They have one of the worst track records of oppression, especially towards women uh, of any Middle Eastern country. They're conducting a war of genocide in Yemen. We're refueling their planes. Somehow, the U.S. is always there, no matter what they need, having their back. Whatever it is, whatever they need, we give it to them. And it's because there's hundreds of billions of dollars at stake with these oil pipelines. So that's what this is all about. But back to the point I was trying to make, right? Imagine you're Iran and you've been putting up with our shit for the last 70 years, whatever it is, and you keep drawing lines in the sand and we keep crossing them. Eventually, as the supreme leader, if you want to retain that title and you want to retain the support of your people, at some point you just can't continue to bend over. Okay, You can't be a bitch to the U.S. forever. You have to fight back. You have to fight back to save face with your people, even though you know damn well you can't win the fight. But you see, we've backed them into a corner. They're damned if they do. They're damned if they don't. We've forced them into this position. So as far as I'm concerned, if this is the extent of it, uh, Iran gets to make it look like they aren't backing down. They aren't going to lay down to America. They get to bloviate and hurl a couple of dumb missiles at our bases. 
So they have something to point to and say, look, you know, we aren't America's bitch anymore, right? Even though they didn't really do anything. They didn't kill any of us. Uh, so they damaged some of our bases. Okay. That's another ridiculous contracting job that we can bid out and they can like fleece our, our government for, you know, 10 times what it would normally cost, right? To, to repair all the damages. Okay, fine. It's literally the best possible outcome for all of this. I mean, fewer people have died from these missile attacks than at Soleimani's funeral stampede, right? And if this whole situation can be diffused by us accepting these latest missile attacks that were negligible in the grand scheme of things and not escalating or retaliating, then that's what Trump should do. I mean, this is just so obvious. Just shut up, take yes for an answer, accept victory, and move on and hope this all goes away. It's long past time that we bend over a little bit and realize our role in all of this chaos. We, we can take a couple punches and not retaliate. It's not the end of the world. Uh, the question is, can Trump do that? Can he sit back and not start talking shit and teasing the Iranians and talking about how their missiles were impotent, and inadequate, and they didn't do anything? And I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I think he's supposed to have a, a statement today at some point. I look forward to hearing that. I'm sure it will be exhilarating. But, you know, hopefully this is where it ends. If we can, if cooler heads can prevail, maybe we can sort of iron some of this out and just, I don't know, let sleeping dogs lie. Because, you know, as, as some college kids are realizing uh, World War Three, <laughs> as this is being billed, and I think, I mean, obviously that's being blown way out of proportion, but World War Three would be no picnic. And the realization that this could spiral out of control into some full-blown major war ha- has people thinking that there could be a draft, that they could bring back the military draft. Because as they constantly remind us, we have an all-volunteer army, right? even though, I mean, it's basically just bribing poor people. But anyway, the the fear of a military draft has these college kids up in arms all of a sudden because they're realizing that these government student loans and the government, you know, government promises of free college may in fact cost them more than, um, more than what was initially billed, and in fact it may cost them their lives or their limbs. And what happened was somebody dug into these FAFSA agreements that these kids have been signing. And FAFSA stands for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. This is how students sign up to get some free cash from the government to go to school, right? Quote, unquote, free. Because what they're finding out is that in the fine print of these agreements that they've been signing, it turns out the government took the liberty of automatically registering any male students between the ages of 18 and 25 for selective service, which is the government's euphemism for a military draft, which is another government euphemism for a a military slave force, right? I mean, that's all this really is. Just another great example, and you know I can't help but point these out, when the government takes these words that we all associate with nice things and just completely perverts the meaning of them. 
You think of a draft, you're thinking of like the NBA draft where people voluntarily opt into a system. They put their names in a hat to be picked up by a team and make millions of dollars. Well, this is a little different. This is basically a form of slavery or indentured servitude. And it's the worst form of slavery. It's the form of slavery where you have to go and die for your country because, I don't know, your government says you have to. It's really unbelievable, and it makes you wonder what other strings come attached with some, with, uh, some of these government handouts. You know, what else could they attach to some of these deals that they're going to strike, the Bernie Sanders of the world, the Elizabeth Warrens, when they're going to promise you everything under the sun, don't worry, just give the government more power. Who knows what they can make you do? You see, it's just like with what I say about taxation. When you sacrifice the principle, when you sacrifice just a little bit of the idea, with with taxation, it's like, oh, we're only going to tax you 1%. It's okay. You you sacrifice 1% uh, of your income tax. You sacrifice 100% of the principle, and the principle being that you own yourself and the government doesn't own you, that you are self-autonomous, okay? You have a higher claim to you than the federal government does. But once you allow that 1%, that whole principle goes out of the window. Once you allow the government to maintain the idea that they have control over you, that you don't, in fact, own yourself, that the government does, well, then it's just a matter of how much they apply it to you in your daily life. If they want to enslave you at 100% and make you go overseas and fight their war, they can do that because you've allowed them the power to do that by giving them control over all these aspects of your lives. It's no wonder they think they own you. <laughs> they have a claim to your income. They can tell you what to do, where to go, what kind of work you can do. It's only a matter of time before they, they tell you that you have to go overseas and fight for their military. The only reason that the only stipulation, as far as I, I'm aware of in these FAFSA agreements, is selective military service or the draft is because that's what they've decided. If they have some other cause that they want you to do, they could throw that in there too. And who's going to read these agreements? Some 18-year-old kid? I doubt it. They could say you have to work for the government for 10 years or whatever. They could could put anything in there they want. But make no mistake about it, the draft is tantamount to slavery. It's a slave war force. It indicates that you don't own yourself, but the state does. And they have a higher claim to you than you do. Well, if you're a man, that is. It only applies to men as far as I'm aware. I don't think they've changed the selective service agreements and added women to it yet. So all of our male privilege is really kicking into high gear here if you're, between, if you're a man between the ages of 18 and 25. Uh, yeah, you're really feeling that male privilege when World War III's knocking on the door, aren't you? And I'm sure all of these feminists will be up in arms when it comes to equality when they're not being drafted to the government's slave war force to go overseas into some sandbox in the Middle East to get their legs and arms blown off. I'm sure that's really going to be high on their list uh, of fighting the patriarchy when it comes to selective military service, right? But anyway, now all of these college kids who are realizing that they've signed their life away for some free government money and most of whom are no doubt left-leaning, surely voting Democrat. If we look at the demographics of college kids, they're all, 90% of them, Democratic voters. 
they're all up in arms all of a sudden. And it's like, well, you know, forgive me if I don't feel too bad for you. Because look, you are the ones advocating for all these policies. You are the ones advocating for the government to take control over your life. You want them to give you free stuff. And if you're naive enough to think that the government's free stuff isn't going to come with all sorts of strings attached, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You need to listen to this podcast more. And you're the ones that turned a blind eye to all this military aggression taking place the last decade under Obama. All these anti-war lefties seem to have disappeared for the last decade. They were all up in arms with George Bush, and that was great. But then their guy gets in office, and all of a sudden they just forget that we're still waging the exact same wars, and then we tacked on two or three more under Obama. So all these anti-war lefties disappeared, and now they've resurfaced because it's a Republican in office. Well, let this be a lesson to you. Let this be a lesson to you in principle. Okay, if you are principled in your belief and you don't just jump on a political party bandwagon and you object to wrong policies based on principle and not based on what political party is in office, maybe you'll get better policies and maybe you'll have a leg to stand on and some credibility when these things when things like this happen. I'm sorry, but if you've been naive enough to not realize that nothing in life is free, that there will always be strings attached, that if you get into bed with the government, the government is going to do to you what people do when they get into bed with each other. They are going to fuck you. That's what's going to happen. They will find some way to do it, and if you find yourself in that camp or you know someone who is, it's important that you share this podcast with them so that I can help steer them away from all the nonsense and the propaganda they're being fed and toward true liberty, toward truth and freedom. Or, you know, you can keep being the lemmings that you are. Keep being sheep led to slaughter, perhaps literally led to slaughter in the case of a military draft, by your federal government. Now the good news is, the good news is the chance of a draft actually being imposed is very slim. Okay, war with Iran, it wouldn't require a draft, okay? Our, our military would utterly destroy Iran eventually. We, we spend more on our military than the next 10 countries combined. So if push came to shove, we could beat them. It would just be a real bloody war with an actual country and not some group of tribes or rebels or whatever is going on in other parts of the Middle East. The only chance they would have of winning a war against us, of winning a war against the U.S., is by dragging us into a guerrilla warfare type scenario like Vietnam. And coincidentally, we just killed their most qualified general at waging that type of war. And plus, you know, just culturally, we aren't in the same place we were in the Vietnam era. Uh, There's no appetite for war, let alone a draft. People wouldn't comply. There would be riots in the streets. People just wouldn't go. It would probably cause more headaches than it would actually solve for them to institute a military draft. But that may not always be the case, okay? And like I always say, you have to be very careful what kind of power you turn over to the government. Because believe me, they do not have your best interests at heart. They never do. I know they talk like they do. They want you to believe that they do. 
because that's how they can get the power to control you. Once you hand it over, all, all bets are off. So don't don't think for a second that they're just, oh, we want to give you some free money. Uh, no, no, no. It turns out, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, with that free money, if we need you to go die over in some sandbox in the Middle East, you're going to have to do that too. I mean, is it really worth it? Is going to college for some liberal arts degree really worth it? You have to ask yourself. And remember that sacrificing principles is no way to go through life. All right, that's enough of that. Let's, uh, I am getting a little sick of all this Iran stuff. It's been nothing but Iran, Iran, Iran for whew, coming up on a week now. So um, let's transition over to a lighter topic at least a lighter topic if you have a sense of humor, and that is the Golden Globes, which, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of these things. I've never actually really watched. I haven't watched them in years. I've always despised these award shows, even as a kid when I was far less politically inclined. But even since, you know, maybe I was, I don't know, 15, I, I couldn't take all the uh, left-wing propaganda and hypocrisy and just the, the preachy bullshit that goes on at these things. Back then, I was probably what you would call a conservative. It was before I was red-pilled, you know. But I still disagree with just about everything that is said at one of these limousine liberal award speeches, you know. Maybe for slightly different reasons now than I did back then. Probably depends on what the topic is. But not only have I always despised these uh, speeches and these award shows, I, I just try to avoid them as well. Because there are just certain actors and actresses who I love. I love them as actors. And I know the chances are that they're some retarded, obnoxious leftist in real life that has the most uninformed, backwards opinions on just about every issue. That it would just ruin their movies for me if I listened to them too much. You know, De Niro is one of these guys that's just gone insane since Trump got in office. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon. I try to avoid any of their dumbass causes, and I try not to hear what they have to say on any given topic because it's just going to make enjoying their movies that much harder for me. And, you know, I didn't even realize that the, these were on. Like, I don't follow, I don't run in these circles. I don't really, like, look forward to the Golden Globes or anything like that. I just had the football game on, and I was watching some NFL playoffs, and when the game was over... I went into my uh, office to get some work done. I came back out, and Ricky Gervais was doing his his introductory monologue, and I yeah I listened to that, and man was it great! It was glorious, you know. Oh my god, it was everything that most of us are thinking, and we say to each other, and when we talk about these stupid award shows, but none of these actresses and actors that take themselves so seriously ever get to hear they never get they never get preached to themselves they're just a bunch of uptight snobs that can't take a joke and you know all of these limousine liberals went there expecting to give their blowhardy political pet project speeches and then take some shots at donald trump like they've been doing for the last three years and then bam ricky gervais comes over the top With the old right there, Fred. Right there, Fred. And it was fantastic. I would have been hard-pressed to have done it any better myself. Oh, the pompous Hollywood types. They're just so humorless. 
They're so humorless. It's like you can make fun of Trump. That's fine. He's hilarious to make fun of. But they're just so pathetically blinded by their hatred of him that they can't even come up with anything remotely funny. Uh, They just get up there and yell, fuck Trump. And that's the extent of it. It's like, ah, God, it's unbearable to watch these things. And finally, for once in my life, for a brief moment, it was perfect. And of course, people are freaking out over it. And I just happened to catch it. It's, I mean, I would have seen it anyways because it's been all over social media. I just find it hilarious that the one time I actually had this on TV, purely out of um, luck, it was just the, one of the greatest opening monologues of all time. So let's, uh, let's give it a little listen here. This is just a compilation of his opening monologue, like the, the most savage moments. I mean, it, it was per, like basically perfection. He couldn't have been more savage. He called out uh, Tim Cook of Apple just right to his face, even though I kind of disagree with the reason for calling him out. But it's still just, he's, I mean, he didn't pull any punches. He, he's got that F you money, and he just lays into these guys. And, and there's just nothing better than watching. I mean, I, unfortunately, I don't have video up. There's nothing better than watching the reaction of all these uptight snobs trying to um, hold back their rage and who have never clearly never been ripped on before, or at least it's been a long time since somebody has really taken them to the, to the woodshed here. But man, was it, there was nothing more satisfying than watching this. Anyway, here we go. I'm Ricky Gervais. Thank you. You'll be pleased to know this is the last time I'm hosting these awards. So I don't care anymore. Um, I'm joking. I never did. Let's go out with a bang. Let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. We're all going to die soon, and there's no sequel. I came here in a limo tonight, and the license plate was made by Felicity Huffman. So, no. Shush. It's her, it's her daughter I feel sorry for, OK? That must be the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to her. And her dad was in Wild Hogs. No one cares about movies anymore. No one goes to the cinema. No one really watches network TV. Everyone's watching Netflix. This show should just be me coming out going, well done, Netflix, you win everything. Good night. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way, so in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. It was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, Surviving R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, Two Popes. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. The Irishman was amazing. Long, but amazing. Um, It wasn't the only epic movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, nearly three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. So... (laughs) Many talented people of colour were snubbed in major categories. Um, Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood foreign press are all very, very racist. So, we were going to do an in-memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just... No. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama, yeah. 
a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent. If you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and... So... Okay, we can pause it right there. They bleeped out a lot of his swear words for some reason. And that's what a lot of the dead time was. That's not an audio uh, issue on my end. They just bleeped it out for TV. And I mean, God damn, wasn't that just fantastic? He gets a Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself in there. He gets to, he gets to make fun of them for being friends with pedophiles and covering all these pedophiles uh, schemes up. Surprised there weren't any jokes on about uh, Kevin Spacey and all the all of his victims mysteriously turning up dead. I mean, he's turning into Hillary Clinton overnight. But, um, you know, he really gets at what, what I was talking about earlier, how I can't stand to watch these things because it's going to ruin their movies for him. It's like, listen, we're, we're paying you to act, okay? We don't give a shit about your political opinions. Stick to the script. Like, literally, just stick to the script that you're given. Play your part as an actor. Just be an actor and shut up already, okay? We already glorify you way too much as a society. I mean, people, especially young, impressionable kids, look up to these buffoons who literally play pretend for a living, like overgrown five-year-olds. It's like they're Peter Pants. They've never grown up. They just get to play pretend in Never Never Land and make millions of dollars, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. But somehow they take themselves so seriously, and we as a society take them way too seriously. Why anyone needs to take their political cues from an actor or act actress is beyond me. As Ricky Gervais rightly points out, there is no one less qualified to speak on such matters as the liberal elite actors. Okay? He seemed to imply it was because they didn't have enough schooling, uh, which, which has nothing to do with it. It's not like spending an extra four to eight years getting indoctrinated at some socialist college would change any of their political opinions or make them any more palatable or right on any subject. But that, that's why all these young people and college-age kids overwhelmingly agree with their positions. Which, by the way, it's always amazing to me that the youth of today hold on to such mainstream, acceptable opinions. You know, back in my day, the youth were supposed to be the rebels of society. You were supposed to be cutting against the grain. You weren't supposed to be slobbering over the rank and file in D.C. and looking up to politicians and oh, falling in love with like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and looking up to politicians. Hollywood. You weren't supposed to be in agreement with D.C., Hollywood, and the mainstream media. I mean, that was the man. That was the man. You're supposed to be fighting the man, sticking it to the man, not agreeing with them on everything and looking to them for guidance and political beliefs. It's funny because today, to be a rebel today, it, it, it consists of being conservative, 
uh, uh, you're a conservative who abstains from premarital sex, who doesn't get abortions, and has no tattoos. That's a rebel today. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's very bizarre. And Ricky Gervais, I mean, I, I can only imagine the amount of heat that he's taking in the, the Hollywood circles, right? I don't know enough about him and to know how principled he really is or anything like that. But from what I've seen him tweeting over the last couple of last year or so, maybe he doesn't seem to be suffering from all this Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, so maybe he's one of the few principled uh, leftists left today. But he's been pretty hilarious on all the gender stuff and transitioning your kids and just overall ripping on the most insane aspects of, of the far left, which is always refreshing. Now people want to put him in like con- as a conservative or something like that. That's, no, no. He's just, he's just a funny guy who sees the funny in all this, sees how ridiculous it, it is. But it's just such a great... The, the reaction to this, because there are so many people who loved, like I did, loved what Ricky Gervais did there. Tons of people. Even left-wing people who are sick of these pompous award shows. Uh, everybody on the, on the right... They all love it, and it just it just goes to show you how out of touch all of these Hollywood folk are, and anybody coming to their defense, the defense of these award shows, where all of these multi-millionaires who play pretend for a living get all dressed up in $10,000 gowns and wear $50,000 necklaces and jewelry. They go in limousines and they're drinking. They got Moet at every table. They're drinking the most expensive champagne. They're eating the finest meals. Although I think they had like some vegan meal for, you know, the virtue signal to that bullshit crowd. Oh God, the virtue signaling is just so disgusting. It's so disgusting and cheap and and shallow and transparent. It's like even after he told them to not you not take their their time up on stage to give some stupid preachy political speech, to just take their award, say thank you and fuck off, some of them still couldn't resist. Even after he pantsed all these Hollywood hypocrites, they still had to get up there and preach their retarded beliefs to us. Uh, that Michelle Williams girl. Uh, I don't even know who that is. But she gets up there and she starts talking about how women need to vote for abortions. Or they need to vote in their interest and their interests lie in you know, making sure that they can all have abortions. Talking about how if she hadn't killed her first baby, she wouldn't have been able to win some stupid gold-plated trophy. Like, Jesus, dude. Thank you for proving his point. Thank you for proving his point. They just couldn't resist. And climate change is another great example. You know, Russell Crowe, I, I watched the first award, or I think, that went to Russell Crowe, or one of the first couple. I, I turned it off after like 10 minutes, but I, if he wasn't the first one, he was the second one. I won an award, and he wasn't there because he's in Australia due to all the fires that they've been having. So he's tending to all his Australian property or whatever, his family and yada, 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 right? So he he sent in a message that they read. And I'm sure if I watched the whole thing, there were a couple of other actors or actresses that dedicated a portion of their speech to these fires in Australia and how we need to combat climate change and blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, when you look into it, 
<laughs> it turns out. I, I just saw an article the other day. Almost 200 people have been arrested for intentionally starting fires over the last couple of months in Australia. So these fires, which have been devastating, I, I think somewhere around like 18 people have died. There's been thousands of homes destroyed, millions of hectares of land, and, and hundreds of millions of animals, it's estimated, have been killed because of this. And it turns out that, oh, 183 people have been arrested by local authorities in Australia for intentionally lighting fires. Some of them just because they're pyros and they want you know, they're kids that are messing around. Uh, one, one of their reports said that 85% of the bushfires are caused by humans either deliberately or accidentally starting them. <laughs> okay, so these fires, as tragic as they are, uh, 85% of them are due to human activity. 13% of that is confirmed arson. And 37% is suspected arson. This is an article in the uh, Summit News written by Paul Joseph Watson. Um, the remainder is just due to reckless fire, light, like kids playing with fire. So while, while the liberal elites moan on and on about climate change and how they, they love to point to examples like this, anytime a fire breaks out, anytime there's a, a tornado or a hurricane or an earthquake, well, that's climate change, right? Except, you know, when uh, somebody who doesn't subscribe to this whole climate change theory points out that like, oh, well, we just had, you know, you're talking about global warming, we just had the coldest winter ever. Like, well, you can't just point to one season as, a, as an example to disprove the whole theory. But they get to pick and choose whichever natural disaster they want as, as proof of their theory, right? So not only does the vast majority of these fires that have broken out have to do with human air and not climate change, on top of that, Australia has laws and regulations outlawing controlled burning by farmers which would help and landowners, which would help uh, alleviate the severity of some of these fires. You know, if you do a controlled burn every once in a while, you can prevent the, the scenario where much larger swaths of land can go up in flames in like an instant, right? And then on top of that, something like... Five, the 500 million animals that are supposedly, you know, have died or perished in, in these fires. Well, Australia has all these laws against exporting those animals to other countries so that they could be bred elsewhere. So all of these animals only exist in Australia because of the government, because of their rules and regulations. And therefore, it's that much more devastating when these fires occur because those animals don't exist anywhere else. They would. They could but they got rules and regulations against it. Uh, oh, okay. All right, but let's, let's just preach about climate change. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. And again, I don't want to get into the whole climate change thing. If you, whether you subscribe to that theory or not, I, I think you really have to ask yourself what, what these proposed solutions would accomplish and whether or not you think, even if you, like, let's say I grant you that climate change is a problem. Oh, okay. Now you're saying that the government is is the solution to that problem. That just somehow giving the government more money will, will fix all these problems when the government has never fixed anything ever in the history of government. It's only made things worse. But anyway, that's beside the point. I don't want to go down that whole rabbit hole here. I've done episodes on climate change before. You can go back and listen to those if you want. 
I just thought this uh, Ricky Gervais Golden Globe speech was fantastic. And it, it was refreshing for once to hear a, a comedian actually get up there and just clearly not give a shit what happens, who he offends, and to just lay, like, lay it all down, not pull any punches, stick it to these Hollywood elitists, like the scum that they are, and put them in their place because they never get put in their place. Everyone's just groveling at their feet, slobbering all over them. Oh, it, w- it was just a great thing to see. I don't expect we'll see it again anytime soon. I'm glad that I, I caught it. I would have never seen that live if, uh, if, if I didn't just leave the TV on accidentally. But anyway, I'm going to wrap there. Um, don't forget to download and subscribe and share the show with your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you can... You can donate to the show to help us out monetarily by going to our website, peddlingfictionpodcast.com. And if you can do all that, I will be back later this week with a brand new episode. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.